Because for the first time in years, we have a brand new J.K. Rowling book to discuss. This is MuggleCast episode 258 for September 30th, 2012. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 258. This is very exciting because for the first time, we are, we are here on a Harry Potter podcast but not talking about primarily about Harry Potter because our our queen JK Rowling has written a new book The Casual Vacancy and it's now available. But first I want to say Micah, Eric and Selena thank you for helming the show episode 257. <laughs> You're welcome. We, we just had all that news to get through, Andrew. I'm sure you were so upset listening to it that you weren't on to talk about all that ridiculous news. I have to say um, I enjoyed listening. It was fun to listen. Well, I enjoyed hearing you pop in to, oh, to, do, the, uh, to do the, <laughs> the book recommendation, actually. Speaking of, today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. <laughs> the casual vacancy. Oh, is that what you're going to suggest now? No, actually, there is no Audible ad, so. Oh, come on. <laughs> I wonder if it, is it already, it doesn't look like it's available in audiobook form yet. I'm doing a search. Oh, yes, it is. Never mind. Who, who's, um, sorry, did we already say who's, who's actually narrating it? Tom Hollander. Yes, of course. Let's listen to the sample. Why not? Here it comes. Spoiler alert. Part 1. 6.11. A casual vacancy is deemed to have occurred, A, when a local councillor fails to make his declaration of acceptance of office within the proper time, or B, when his notice... I feel like I'm learning to speak French right now. This is NPR. I know... Used this for my media law course last year. I'm learning so much about stuff. <laughs> so, okay. Well said. So we are going to talk about the casual vacancy today. And one of the best parts about JK Rowling <clears throat> releasing this new book is she's done a bunch of interviews about the book and about Harry Potter and even some other strange topics. And later on in the show, we also have an interview with John Noe and Brie Bishop, they have a new documentary about to be released called Finding Hogwarts. You guys have heard about this, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I spoke to them, recorded an, an interview, and that'll be later on in the show. It was, it was a fun talk with them about... It's in Orlando. It could be very hard to find. <laughs> well, you know, they actually shot this before the park opened up, so they had to look elsewhere for it. Oh. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> Could have saved them a lot of money. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, should, are we going to start with casual vacancy talk then? I guess so. Because why not? It's the big topic. <laughs> we do have to throw in a little bit of a disclaimer. As we know, this is an adult book, and there were some adult topics in the story. And now, we're, so we will address some of those, and there may be some more adult language on the show than we normally use however we will say we aren't going to spoil you because honestly shocking revelation none of us have actually finished the book <gasps> and the reason for that may come along <laughs> in this show <laughs> well we're recording this uh we'll probably release it later won't we yeah. today like part of doing a directed video you know on sunday and the, the book only came out thursday 
in the middle of the day. I have, I, for one, I've worked every single day since it came out. So I have not been able to finish the book. Well, and we purposely delayed recording this until Sunday because we wanted to have time to finish reading it. <clears throat> and I guess this is where our initial, initial thoughts come in to start off this conversation. It is a book that most Harry Potter fans will have zero interest in. Because yeah. Zero interest? Yeah, because the, the topic, the reason we all read it is because it was written by J.K. Rowling. I mean, that's the only reason. I never would have picked up a book about a small town in Pagford, a small town named Pagford in England, and they're uh, replacing somebody on the town council. It just would not interest me. So I have been trying to get through it, and... It just has not captured my attention yet. I have heard that people, that it does pick up later on in the story, but I've yet to reach that point. Now, ah. Selena has gone furthest into the book thus far. And w- as somebody who's, you're what, like less than a hundred pages from finishing, how, how are you feeling about it? Well, I've, yeah, I've done my, like, I've tried so hard to finish before we started this recording because I felt like someone should, but it, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like this is, of course, only our initial thoughts on it, but I feel like this is, this is not a bad book. Like it's not badly written. It's not, it's just for me, it's just not a story that needed to be told because, you know, you talk about some authors writing about real events and writing as though this is reality. And I sort of, there comes a point when you think, well, okay, if I wanted, reality to this extent i would just go outside i i, I feel like oh what true though isn't it like no okay not right here <laughs> this kind of reality but i feel like you just um i i don't want to be negative because I, I i don't think that it's a bad book it's just i i'm reading it and i'm thinking sometimes you there are stories that don't need to be told and i'm not sure i i am I, I'm enjoying the experience of reading this, but that doesn't mean that other people can't be. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've found the story to be a little slow going for me too. And, and not that it's slowly paced or anything, but I'm, I'm finding it a lot harder to, to mull through, to mull over, to get through than any of the Harry Potter books. And that's, it's a given. And part of that could be due to the subject. Um, I mean, to your point, Selena, I, I think there is some sort of, it's an art, though, to capture what's actually in the outside world and put it in a book. So these characters that are quite a bit older than, you know, uh, Joe's previous set of characters that are, you know, running around the real world, conniving and scheming and, you know, calling each other into question. To actually put that in a book is where the art and the craftsmanship that Joe is, uh, you know, conducting here, that's where that comes in. So, even though it is a book about real life, I think the fact that we can read it on the page and go, cause at several points so far in the book, I've gone, wait a minute, Joe's in my head. How could she possibly know what my high school experience was like? But there are points in like in the school in this book where I'm thinking, Oh my God, that's easily could have been taken out of a page of, you know, my life story back from, you know, in my classroom. That That's not what I'm saying though. All I'm saying is that I, I think that that's what I'm saying. Like her, the, what she's writing, what she's written in this book is, is really well done. Like, I really think she's done an amazing job writing this book. I'm just thinking the story as a whole 
You know what I mean? Like there's no story there. There is no story. And I know to some extent it's about the small actions of a small town group of in ultimately completely insignificant people. Um, but it's just like, I, I don't know. It's just that I, I'm reading this thinking, what am I gaining? What am I getting out of reading it? You know, what am I learning about myself and about life? And maybe, I mean, that is going to be different for people, mm. for a lot of people. I don't just like Harry Potter. I like a lot of different kinds of books. And I guess it's just isn't for me, but that's not, that's not Joe's problem. That's my problem. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mike, yeah. I, I like to think you're the most mature among us. Um, how, what do you think of the book thus far? Well, you, you say that, but, uh, I, I think I was the one who commented to you, uh, after I started reading the book and I said, JK Rowling is more perverted than I am. <laughs> so wow. when you call me the more mature of the group, I don't know if that's necessarily accurate, but I, I think it's really hard because we've read a series, not just one book, but an entire series that's based in fantasy you know it, it it's a completely different type of genre for her to go from you know wizards and witches and horcruxes to real life and i think that's exactly what this book is about it's about class warfare it's about poverty you know it's about people who are really falling on hard times and i wonder how much of that is tied to her growing up and experiences that she had you know her work at amnesty international comes to mind because I remember her talking about that during you know, one of her appearances. It was either at Carnegie Hall or, or Radio City. So I think you're you're getting more of a flavor. And I saw a quote from her saying that this was just a book that she had to write. And I wonder how much of that comes from her own experiences and, and things that she's had to deal with in her own life. Mm. I'm I, I that's think that's going on. Go ahead, Selena. No, that wasn't. Oh, what did you say? I said, I'm sure that's what she was drawing on for some of it. I mean, it, it, it's, it sort of calls out. It, it's very, it's very dark. typical. I mean, yeah, it's very dark, but it's very typical of what you would see in real life Britain. I mean, this could be happening anywhere right now. I, I wanted to ask, I guess it helps that you're most of the way through the book too, because I wanted to ask as a, uh, a Nordic person, person um do you find you know you're you're a lot closer to britain uh do you find that this book might be relevant to or perhaps more relevant to british uh children um or europeans than it is to americans perhaps um i, I i've spent five years in britain so <laughs> um i would say as someone who who knows a lot about how the system works over there i think that this is the kind of, of story that for me, it's not a story. It's just reality and it's very bleak and it's very depressing. And there's no, you know, shadow of a, of a happy ending or a, a resolution to anything, which I think is real life. That's why I was making the comment about it being real life and super depressing because it's literally something you could walk out of your house and see. Um, but actually my mother uh, said something interesting. She said that she thought, it might be more interesting to Americans than British people because you guys, for you guys, it's, it's an insight into what British life is like. Whereas for us, it's no different than anything you might see. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of like fantasy in that regard almost. Um, like for us. Yeah. For a different kind of her. fantasy though. I think because remember with Hogwarts, you got to go to this, this world that 
we could only hope existed in some capacity. It was a great escape. Whereas this other world that J.K. Rowling is writing about now is, in fact, as Selena pointed out, reality. And nobody wants to necessarily deal in reality. They want to deal in what could potentially be. And so I think that's why, for us, even though we grew up with it, the Potter series is more captivating than a book like this. Well, I, I feel that fantasy novels on the whole or in general are actually just allegories for what actually goes on in the real world, which is why, you know, we look at uh, Cornelius Fudge and we, you know, we say the corrupt politician or, you know, the incompetent politician. And, and, you know, that echoes obviously with experiences in our real world, but fantasy is more fun than, you know, in many cases, just a straight play or a straight drama about politics. Uh, which is why I think the Harry Potter series is going to continue to succeed. I think far beyond, uh, you know, a straight, a straight, uh, book like this. You know, I, I don't have all bad things to say about the casual vacancy though. I have been enjoying it to a point. Um, I think JK Rowling's writing, as somebody mentioned earlier, is still phenomenal. I mean, she is so vivid in her writing and her descriptions of characters and, the beginning part of the book <clears throat> where everybody's discovering Barry Fairbrother's death, which I don't discover, consider a spoiler because we all knew who dies at the beginning. Um, that part to me took a while to get through. And I think what put me, what, what put me off on a bad foot with this book is there are a lot of character introductions and it's yeah. a lot to handle. It's a lot to take in. But but that said, I'm starting to uh, get acclimated with the characters, and there are particular ones I'm whose storylines I'm enjoying, and I haven't like give it like I like so so far I can't say that this is a bad book because I have been enjoying it to a point. It's just that my reservations right now is it is slow to start. There are too many characters, I think, and the setting. It was just, this is, this is a big, big, big jump for JK Rowling. I was actually saying to my friends the other day, and I'm interested in, in your take, guys' takes on this. It, it, she should have worked her way up to this book. <clears throat> it shouldn't have been, you know, seven books of Harry Potter fantasy and then going to this. It should have been, the next book, I think, should have been another, a, a older young adult novel. Something that would have captured that that feeds the audience of the grown-up Harry Potter audience, as in, like, people our our age and older than that. Because, obviously, Harry Potter spanned all ages, um, but adults and young adults, they grew up with this and still love J.K. Rowling's writing for what it was. Would you guys agree she should have maybe used a subject matter that could have appealed to more people? Not 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 kids, but people our age? Let's say. I don't necessarily agree um, because I, I think that with um, with this book, I think clear message that she's saying, I'm not done with Harry Potter, but I'm moving away from Harry Potter. And if any of you thought that I was going to write another Harry Potter book, then I'm going to slap you in the face. <laughs> with this. Wow. Um, no, but you know, like it's a heavy book. You could hit someone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my, my point is that I think that what what happened with this book was it was marketed completely wrong because everybody knows that the people that are going to go out and pick up the new J.K. Rowling book 
are going to be Harry Potter fans. And the only people that this book is not going to appeal to probably is 90% of Harry Potter fans. So I feel so like one, I mismarketed heard... or was it marketed at all? See, that's because the thing. I feel like yeah. short of the fact, short of the fact that there are a hundred copies of, of the book at every bookstore in every city in the world, this book really wasn't market. It, it sold itself is, is the problem. And I think, I think what I'm feeling that might be similar to what you're feeling, Selena, is that we needed to, you know, when the biography was released or the, sorry, the summary was released uh, that said, this is JK Rowling's first book for adults. You know, it was, it was over quick. That was, that was not emphasized enough. I think that this book really wasn't for, as you said, the majority of the people who are going to be picking it up because of their love for JK Rowling through Harry Potter. And here's the thing though. I think that if you're not going to market the book, if you're going to ride on the success of Harry Potter and, and expect that people are going to go out and they're going to purchase this book because they were such huge fans of the Harry Potter series, then you also have to expect that you're going to have this book held to the same standards and the success of Harry Potter. There's no way to, to kind of get around that. I'm not saying that it's necessarily fair to go ahead and do that and say, well, look at what the Potter series was able to achieve and, and kind of, you know, put that up against the casual vacancy. But I think at the same time, if you're going to ride the heels of Potter and assume that because that did so well that you don't have to market the casual vacancy or do more than what was done, you're, you're, you're sort of setting yourself up for, I think, a lot of critical reviews. Yeah, I mean, or backlash. I think you in, know? in terms of publicity, they did really downplay it. I mean, and there was articles about it, and, and booksellers were getting frustrated, like, "Oh, why isn't there more ma- promotional material for us to use?" Like, if you walked by a Barnes and Noble, all you saw was that single poster in the in the window saying, "You know, the first novels and J.K. Rowling's first book since Harry Potter." And I think that is a a thing that people should um, really market because it is a big deal. But that's that. That's my point with this whole transition thing. Um, people were so looking forward. Harry Potter fans were so looking forward to the next book. I mean, Pottermore kind of let some people down. Other people enjoyed it, okay. But uh, people have been yearning for a new Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling book for five years, and <clears throat> so when her first one out of the door is this one about the one as obscure a topic as this is, then uh, it it does turn off a lot of people. I am well, let's talk. Let's talk about the beginning of this book. Sorry, uh, Selena, go ahead. I just wanted to ask something really quickly uh, before we talk about the actual book, which was: Do you guys think that this book, um, that Joe should or could have released this under a pen name? Because, in my opinion, when I first started reading, I was so put off by all the all the references and all the stuff. I was like, Joe, Jackie Rowling wrote this. This is horrible. But then, and also, like, I. We'll get into that later about the references, but then I, I, I put it away and I came back to it and I sort of forgot that Joe wrote it and I, I enjoyed it a lot more for that because mm. I didn't associate it with Harry Potter at all. Yeah, I definitely wish, um, well, no, no, I, I don't think she should have put it under a pen name because look, she wants to, she wants to make a lot of money off of this. There's no question about that. Everybody's, and, and her publisher wanted to make a lot of money off of it. So to do that, they had to say J.K. Rowling. Otherwise, how 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 many copies of this book would have sold? I mean, <laughs> well, I, I think I think it, I don't think I don't really think she was in it for the money. 
with this book. But at the same time, I don't think she should have kept it to herself and not sold it. You know, it's tough. I think what it is is she's just really being herself, and it's everybody else in the world that has to change, that has to change their mindset about what J.K. Rowling, what the name J.K. Rowling means. And I think that's, unfortunately or fortunately, for whoever involved, for everybody involved, that's what has happened here, is that she published the book under J.K. Rowling, and a lot of us were expecting a completely different book mm-hmm. as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but would you ever associate J.K. Rowling with anything other than Harry Potter? I mean, regardless of what she writes in the future, well, I, it's I, always I going to be Potter. I associate J.K. Rowling with good storytelling and an engrossing mystery. Now, I will say that this book, there is a lot less mystery. Um, you know, you still, you know, the, the plot, the end, the end of the book is still hidden. You know, I don't know how it's going to end up, but it's not the kind of story that Harry Potter is, um, in many, many ways, but it is still, as we all, I think would agree, well told or well written. Maybe Um, one of the biggest mistakes that we're making as readers is kind of forcing ourselves to read it. Maybe it's a book that's best left, you know, consuming in small bits over a couple of weeks. Yeah, but we're not forcing ourselves. We're barely 100 pages into well, the book, well, but, some of us. But, well, we're taking our time, aren't we? Well, I was trying to get done by Sunday, but then I started reading on Thursday. It wasn't, like, doing it for me. And Friday, I tried more, and it wasn't doing it for me. I mean, maybe maybe we <laughs> would like it better if we just weren't feeling forced to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I like what you said earlier, too. The, the, the initial part of it is hard to get through because there is a lot of characters that are presented to you. There's a lot of character development. And I understand you kind of need to do that in order to, you know, progress with the story. But I, but I felt like, and again, I don't mean to compare it to Potter, but her, her previous books, the, the character development felt much more fluid. In this book, it felt like, they, she had to tell you all about a character in those initial chapters and get as much information as possible in front of you instead of just kind of interweaving it into the story. And so from what I read so far, I feel like that part of it's fallen a little bit short. Mm-hmm. In addition, all the characters that she's introducing in the book, none of them are particularly redeeming or lovable. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest, there are a lot of just shady people and shadier people and worse people and even the children you know you can't like any of the kids because they're little bastards i like andrew Um, you like andrew (laughs) yeah i yeah i um but but they all have such deep flaws and none of them are immediately likable you know what this this is like you guys are going to like this one. Um, it's like, it's like the Game of Thrones series if it had been done in this time. Like, it's like there are no swords and there are no metaphors, um, which is what makes it interesting. But all the characters are great and flawed and really intricate. And I feel like if we had got to spend more time with them, then it would have really developed into some huge political canvas that felt really important. I think the it's not the characters of the story storytelling that fails. It's for me. Not, I'm not saying it fails, um, but it's just that there is so there's so little importance to what they do, and I think that's p- probably part of her point. But it just makes it feel so redundant. You know what I mean? So it's like clashing. Well, look at the look at the classics here for a minute. I mean, think about. Uh, Catcher in the Rye 
it's a perfect example for me to use because I hate that book. But it's a book that was required reading in high school, and I found Holden Caulfield to be an insufferable jackass. But not a whole lot happens to him throughout the, the history of that book. You know, it starts off, I think he leaves college, he goes and spends a night in a dilapidated building, and, uh, you know, I forget what happens to the rest, but, but nothing of great significance is being championed in that book. That book is about the character it's himself and how he was viewed at the time and how he, it, it's, that's one of the books that said that this, this kid who's young can still be very, uh, deep, you know, with his emotional analysis and how he sees the world. So there are these, these books that are, um, shown to us even in school aren't necessarily about anything. They're just, they're, they're, they get to be the status that they're in because of how they're like, how the story is told and, and, you know, different things about it. So even though nothing particularly happens, like you're saying, Selena, I feel like a lot of these characters are still strong enough that this book could be received pretty well. Um, not only by us, but in the future. Just yeah. really quick. I don't mean that nothing happens. I mean that there's nothing for us to care about. Like there's no event that we can get invested in. You know what I mean? Well, what about the election? Cause I, I'm where I'm sitting now. I'm a quarter of the way through the book. Um, where I'm sitting now, I'm interested in finding out who the candidates are going to be. And that's, that's what I'm invested in right now. I, I just, from my point of view, it's just, it won't, I, I feel so negative. It's bad, but I just, it won't matter who wins. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I'm just, <laughs> I was just going to say though, Selena, the, the point you brought up about Game of Thrones, I was actually thinking about that as I was reading through because it was almost as if she could have broken it up by character like uh, George R. R. Martin does in his books. So it would it would almost be like the first chapter would be Barry and then it would it would go on, you know, to to be about the different characters in this particular book. But you know, a lot of people complained about the first book in that series too, saying that it felt like it took so long to kind of get the wheels going. And I feel like it's, it's the same thing with this book. I don't know if you agree or disagree. I, I, I think that. too. Yeah. She didn't have seven books to tell this story. She chose to do it in one, which is why I think you're getting a lot of this introduction and she has to like lay the dimensions all before she can continue to tell the story because it's absolutely important that we meet all of the players in the, in the story during the, the same story that's going to finish it. You know what I'm saying? Like, whereas the books every year at Hogwarts, there was a new teacher and some of them have ties to Harry's past. Some of them don't, you know, but it was all laid across this grand canvas where everything here is crammed into one book. It's interesting to see that she didn't jump right into another series. Right. Unless it is the series. Do you, she said do it's you not. Think, she said it's not going to oh, be a series. Oh, okay. Um, but go on. Yeah, go on. No, no, go on. Oh, I want to. I want to talk about the first chapter, but or like the intro, but we don't have to. I'm just mid chew right now. Go ahead. You're mid. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the opening um, because, to me, uh, well, obviously the opening is is really important about any book because you're supposed to be engrossed and it's, it's got to catch you. But I found in the beginning and it's, it's Barry's sort of last moments, um, of his life. I found it to be at times very, um, brutal, you know, the, the, the narration, essentially he's, he's finishing up, uh, some, some paperwork and he has to take his wife out for their anniversary. 
He kisses his kids goodbye for the last time and eventually collapses on the ground. When he's uh, collapsed from this brain aneurysm, he there's this line. Um, let me go back to it. Okay. It says that he experienced pain that he never felt. He's having brain aneurysm. He's experiencing this throbbing pain that was nothing like he ever felt. He he didn't want to endure it, quote, but endure it he must, for oblivion was still a minute away. So this is like the narrator is is being very, you know, it's just, it's torture. This guy is being tortured, and we're, we're forced to witness it. He's forced to witness it for another 60 seconds. And when he's in the ambulance, the woman who's in the ambulance with him uh, compares the oxygen mask to a muzzle. And it's also said that he was lying unconscious and unresponsive on the ground in a pool of his own vomit. And I'm thinking, this is really intense. This guy is dying and he's like, he, he's just completely helpless. And we're forced to witness this, this terrible death. In the beginning of the book, it really set an interesting tone, I thought. Yeah. How about... You um, uh, you're just talking about basically those first two pages there, right? Yeah, that's the first two pages. Yeah. Um, where I, I the, did like the narrator how that... felt, mm-hmm. yeah, narrator the felt... narrator felt like they were like, it, it was just like pathetic. Like they, there was some kind of like he was being insulted or something, you know, he spends the last few minutes of his life thinking about why do I even have a golf club membership? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I suck at golf. Yeah. And then he dies and he's forced to be tortured with a brain aneurysm. Like it, it, it brought the, the world to, it was real, you know, it's very real. Like this really happens to people kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, um, um, well, I guess we can move forward in the discussion here. I have to say when I was going to pick up the book at Barnes and Noble, I was very excited. It felt almost like a Harry Potter book release going in, seeing it there right at the front holding it in your hand for the first time did you smell it uh maybe (laughs) did you smell it michael the potter books we've talked about this they had a very distinctive smell to them all books have smells to them i think that comes from being printed on recycled paper micah oh okay you know if it used to be uh part of a mcdouble wrapper yeah exactly smells like a mcdouble I, i wanted to go back to something you said before you know talking about those those first two pages but do you think it would have been different. Maybe people find it a little bit more enjoyable, not as slow, more to look forward to if Barry Fairbrother had been murdered as opposed to just dropping dead. You know, somebody's after his seat on the council. Like a whodunit. Yeah. Because mm. that's honestly what I was expecting. Having read the summary uh, I never of the book of that. beforehand, I thought we were in the, you know, looking for more of a murder mystery political thriller type of book that would that would have been cool that definitely would have been cool because there's rumors i think that that she her book before we even knew it was called the casual vacancy or or anything like that i think there was a rumor one author said oh yeah she's gonna be writing a mystery people were like oh okay yeah that's right i think definitely would have been more interesting how do you classify this book what genre is this Mm, political political Thriller, political sleeper. What do you call this? <laughs> and that's that's not offensive. Like, but but the fact that it is, it's a character drama. That's a, that's all it is. It's a character drama set in a small town, which obviously is a very accurate depiction of uh, said you know small towns. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But I, 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 again, going back to sort of the comparison between real life and stuff, I find that the adults in this book, and there are a fair number of them, really aren't, I, I'm identifying, I guess, certain, well, all, all aspects of their personality with like having known adults who are like that, or, you know, I'm kind of closer to the parenting age than I used to be, like when I first picked up Potter. So a lot of these times spent with, you know, these chapters about the parents are interesting me because I have this perspective where I'm like, I wonder if my parents ever felt that way or something like that. You know, we're, we're dealing with a, more adults and now we're closer to being adults. So I find in a very interesting way that these characters kind of still appeal to me than say, if JK Rowling had written a book set in a, in a high school or set, you know, with younger characters again, like she did with Potter, I don't know that I would have enjoyed it as much. Mm. What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I could enjoy, I'm enjoying this right now because of her writing, because of her character writing. And when you get to the scenes with the dialogue, I do find it, um, intriguing. I think she does write some great character scenes, but I can't imagine like a situation, like if, if there wasn't that, if, if it was more of the, the, the very beginning, like the first couple chapters, I would be incredibly, I probably would have given up. I mean, I think it is improving a little bit. And like I said, at the top of the show, it does, I, I, I heard somebody say that, I've heard a couple people say that it, it gets better. Mm. Well, Selena, does it? No, that's just the thing though. It doesn't get better. Oh, God. Wait, better than what? Better, better from what? Like, uh, what, more what no fast. I heard it, you know, yes, it starts slow in the beginning, but it picks up the pace. I, I, it does, it, it doesn't get better than, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's so depressing, but I just feel like it's just, it's just, it's just more and more of the same. It's, <laughs> it's not that I'm not enjoying it, but it's, it's so there's no payoff yet. Literally will not be able to tell the 350th page from the 20th page. Mm. Like nothing has changed. And yes, you do learn more about the characters and some of the stories. I mean, crystals, I'm sure we're all going to be a, like big fans of her part of the story because it is riveting and it is engaging and it is tragic and it's heartbreaking. Um, and other people's stories, some of them are interesting. Some of them are not, but in terms of 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 the story in terms of the actual plot i mean i'm i still have 80 pages to go but i'm not expecting anything to shock to, you to, yeah I'm, i mean and and i wouldn't i would feel in a way that <laughs> to use a phrase from the book that would be inauthentic, inauthentic to um <laughs> characters if she's she's if some is something something blah if something huge suddenly happened to quote-unquote fix everything or make some kind of happy ending because that's not the story she's writing but it's just i'm just left with a uh, life sucks you know <laughs> where's Hogwarts? <laughs> so we had noticed a couple harry potter or what we think are harry potter references in the book um the uh, first one the one on page 44 you guys were saying uh... oh wait i have one before that it's page one <laughs> barry <laughs> barry what's well, so... you know although it's funny what she said in the interview about that no no, yeah. no his head hurts so i thought it was harry's oh. scar hurting you know <laughs> like... yeah there's that and like you said in in the one interview somebody asked her oh you named barry and harry you're very <laughs> similarly and she was like you know what i didn't even notice that until it was too late like are you kidding me <laughs> Barry changed the last name. Why couldn't you change the first name? Yeah, really. Yeah. Change it to Larry. 
It's a simple replace command, Joe. Control H. Yeah, find replace. Find replace. Uh, but I just couldn't believe that it kind of dawned, it only dawned on her, like, but before it was too late that Barry and (laughs) here. But, so you guys said page 44, what was the reference there? Yeah, who else found it? Was it Selena? uh, Selena? Yeah. What is it? Oh, you can say it, Eric. Oh, okay, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna look up the exact quote. Uh, give me just one second here. The other one that we had found was later on when there's a reference to various crimes, I think, or, or no, yes. no, bad, bad parenting. Yeah, Tessa is going, Tessa is the guy who's a, wait, no, Kay, it was the social you're worker. Kay. Kay is the social worker. Yeah. She's, she's, she's undergoing, she's kind of reminiscing on tales of bad parenting because she's at, um, uh, shit, I always call her Kira, but it's, um, Crystal, Crystal, Crystal's house and talking about her younger brother. But I found the one on page 44. Um, and it's, uh, also it's actually, this one is from Tessa and it's also about, uh, Crystal. And it says, uh, okay. Tessa knew that Crystal's familiarity with sudden death was greater than her own. People in Crystal's mother's circle died prematurely with such frequency that they might have been involved in some secret war of which the rest of the world knew nothing. They're wizards! They're wizards! <laughs> but uh, but actually she means, obviously, Crystal's mother in the story, not to spoil anything, is a big heroin addict. And so a lot of the people that are also addicts are dying prematurely. So yeah. it, it's it's much less exciting than if they were in a war, a secret war. But the fact that that imagery exists, that Joe drew that comparison seems like a veiled or overt reference to, uh, the secret world of Harry Potter. And the one that, uh, Andrew, you brought up is on page 81. And, uh, it says, but she had seen far worse welts and sores, gashes and burns, tar black bruises, scabies and knits, babies lying on carpets covered in dog shit kids crawling on broken bones, and once she dreamed of it still, a child who had been locked in a cupboard for five days by his psychotic stepfather. That one made the national news, it says right after that. So <laughs> I, I, I missed that part originally. She dreamed of it still? That, yeah. that that totally seems to me like a Harry Potter reference. But I bet if you ask her about that, she's like, oh, oh no, 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 no. No, people it's in cupboards all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Selena, do you think there could be any more? Have you noticed any others that are kind of similar? The only one I did notice, and this is this is not a reference, it's just funny, is that Joe in this story, I mean, she's dating herself so much by all her references to Facebook and blah blah blah. And I <laughs> was dating you know, herself because you know, like it, it just it, it's little things about the world right now that in ten years people might be like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. But. One thing that I did notice was the return of the PlayStation, which I liked. Cause oh, I, I saw talk- I saw Nintendo DS. Barry's yeah, children that. have DSs, right. but I didn't see a PlayStation. And I thought that was funny because nobody actually says PlayStation anymore. <laughs> Sorry. See, I, I don't know if that's dating yourself, though. I mean, a book is written in a certain time period, and that's just, that's just you know. And the- set in a certain time period as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh notice stuff like that whenever i'm reading whatever book i'm reading i'm always thinking you know they mentioned myspace and i'm like ah oh, that's so 2002 or something. 
there is a goat reference on page 58. Ooh. Oh, God. How could I miss that? Good for you. 58? What is it? So does this does this change your guys' perspective of Joe as a writer? Do you, I mean, do you find yourself not looking forward to what she's doing next? She she has said in multiple interviews over the past week that she it seems that she has two children's books lined up and one of those two will be her next re- book release but it's only for like 7 to 8 year olds that's like the target age. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking like Dr. Seuss style very short, very illustrated, that kind of thing. And then she did reference one other adult novel, not a casual vacancy sequel. Well, let's let's talk about the sex in the book. in this book. Yeah, in this book, because you're asking if it changes our perspective on Joe or if it changes our opinion of her writing. And there is just a lot of sex, I think, even so far where I am in this book. And it's it's shocking at first, because I think as a Harry Potter fan, having grown up with Harry Potter, it feels like your mom is cursing or something. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was just very... There's an early chapter where we meet Andrew. He's riding the school bus and uh, this girl he has a crush on doesn't show up. And and I guess I think the line is like there was an ache in his heart and in his balls. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, (laughs) she's talking about Andrew's this kid's balls. She never talked about Harry's balls. Like we never, there was never a moment where it's like Harry's balls itched as he contemplated what he must do next. You know, never. Wasn't there a reference to like his erection too? Yeah, like bumping up and down tons on the of erections. Bus. There's tons of erections. Oh, covering it up. Yeah, when he he said the vibration of the, the yeah. bus, and I was just like, okay, this is Joe's. But that's normal felt. things that happen to extremely you. normal. Yeah, it is though, and and those are things that happen. You I know? think Mike is admitting something right now. <laughs> no, no. Look, I'll admit the same thing if Mike admits it. This is real yes. life, but. But it felt like she was in, it felt like she was in my head. Oh, Selena's laughing her ass off now. I'm saying that she seems to have created a portal inside a young boy's mind. And she does this with Andrew. She does this with the character of Fats. Um, you know, and, and it's just, it's a little interesting to see, uh, the queen or mother inside my young child head or, or any young boys head, you know, talking about these school experiences. How did she know this stuff almost? But you know, the book is dedicated to her husband, Neil. I wonder if he shared something or just maybe it's a technique of a good writer to be able to talk about this kind of thing. That is a lot more, I guess, personal to me as like, I, hell, I was a young boy once, right? Some of these things that Andrew and Fats are feeling, I felt. You know, and so I'm, I'm really yeah, exactly. engrossed by how sexual, but also by how raw a lot of this emotion is and being beneath these characters. And it's not uplifting. It's actually a little unsettling, but I don't know what to make of it. But what makes it unsettling? Because I, I think, as, as we just mentioned, a lot of those elements are natural and, and they're things that happen. Maybe it's that we internalize all of them and we don't necessarily speak about them all the time, you know, uh, but I do think there's certainly things that happen. And to your point, how does she know how to get inside the mind of a young teenage boy who's, you know, looking at a girl for the first time and, and is really interested in her? It's, it's an interesting well, dynamic. Actually, my, my problem with a lot of the sex happening in this book was some of it felt very forced. 
And I don't yes. mean, I don't mean literal sex, but I mean, just some references, like page eight, for example, it's right after Barry dies and Miles and Samantha, who, who got him, who got Barry to that hospital, it's the next morning and Miles kind of gets lost in his wife's breasts. It says, quote, Samantha's dressing gown gaped open as she sat at the kitchen table, revealing the contours of her big breasts as they rested on her forearms. Upwards pressure made them appear fuller and smoother than they were when they hung unsupported. The leathery skin of her upper cleavage radiated little cracks that no longer vanished when decompressed. She had been a great user of sunbeds when younger. I'm just thinking, like... Professor McGonagall? No, I'm just thinking your friend, your friend, just, <laughs> no. your friend just died. It's the next morning and you get lost in your wife's breasts. Like, I didn't think f- that. First okay. of all, do married men even, int- are they even interested in their wife's breasts any longer? I mean, they let alone be. to describe them in this detail. I so. I, the thing is, I was confused at the beginning because I wasn't sure entirely that it was being told from his perspective. So when she's writing about Samantha's breasts, I didn't think it was necessarily that Miles was noticing that, but I thought instead it was building the character of Samantha, who is very much like, uh, what was the reference, uh, to Harry Potter I compared? Um, I've lost it, but, but anyway, she, you know, she's a character who used sunbed. She's very vain. Um, and so that's all I took it to mean was that, that she was very concerned with her appearance because, you know, she had grown older and, you know, is putting, she, she slumps fake goo on her to give her a fake tan. Mm. So I don't know. I agree with you. I think that, um, for me in the, I think having read most of the book, the sexual references probably is a, is a one of the ways to express these characters' complete depravity mm. <laughs> and, and the way that they're so messed up and wrapped up in their own heads. And I think, as someone else said earlier, it's a sort of a way of of really being raw. I mean, she's laying these people out for the world to see. I mean, there's nothing hidden about right. that for anyone. And it's all it, the, the novel, I guess, is all about secrets and and sharing your thoughts and sharing your personal self with nobody or everybody. But at the same time, especially in the beginning, I was like, I don't need Joe to prove that this is not Harry Potter by throwing in all of the stuff, like a bit arbitrarily, like that scene on the bus where he was sort of the, the erection bump for obvious reasons that I, I could, but um, I, I feel like sometimes it's, it's a, you don't really need it but then as you get further into the book i do think that it just becomes a a, the way that her characters work yeah it it could be yeah go ahead yeah let's start to move along here um we got some twitter responses about about the book uh for people who follow us on twitter twitter.com slash mugglecast janet says only 100 pages in, but feeling there are a lot of characters being introduced, yet no main person to follow except Dead Barry. Which, uh, yeah, I agree. But uh, in a way, I he is that. the lead character because it is his death that causes everything that happens in the remainder of the book, as far as I know. Getting his seat re- you know, replaced. Kayla mm-hmm. says, love it. J.K. Rowling has done it again. This book is amazing. All caps, three exclamation points. Nina says, surprisingly realistic and honest while discuss- discussing is- issues we've also seen in Harry Potter. A very courageous reflection of real life. Anne said, it has become like her to kill people in the first chapter. 
Loved the grotesque way she did it. It's not Harry Potter, but it's still J.K. Rowling. Samuel Cox said, Only 130 pages in so far, but I love it. Kind of odd when you think that Crystal was created by the same writer as, say, Luna or Dobby. Yeah. What does she mean that's... by he mean that? He or she mean by that? Well, the first time we meet Crystal, it's through Andrew's eyes, and he's telling the story of how when she was very, very, very young, she pulled her pants down in the middle of the classroom. Um, you know, I just feel like that alone treats Crystal with much, with much more depth and sympathy than it's, it's, it's deeper because you feel bad for her from the start. You're at a disadvantage. Whereas, you know, none of the characters seem that, that holy, they're missing that element of secret things that they did when they were young or like expressions of their youthful personality that should never be held against them. I almost feel like Harry Potter as a series was because it lacked any element of the sexual. And, and when it, when Joe tried to write about it, it was really awkward. Like with Harry and, and, and Ginny, the monster in his chest, as opposed to actual sex scenes and stuff. You know, I feel like in a way the Harry Potter series is inauthentic, except for the fact that it tried to address teenage relationships the fact that her next book is showing sex from ages two to, you know, 60 something is, is very different. And I, I, I think it is odd for, for what Samuel said. Um, because it's like a different, it's a different way of viewing life. Like both characters are equally real, Luna and, and Crystal, but Crystal has this added depth where you feel like you're actually talking about a real person because you know, right certain secrets about her that she would prefer not to, to have known. But I, I agree. I, I think that those characters that were brought up is let, let's go with Luna, not so much Dobby though. I don't think we need to be discussing the sex habits of house elves you know, <laughs> on this show. Uh, but there is that missing component to, to the, and, and so I wonder if all this time she was writing Harry Potter, she really wanted to say things that she couldn't say. And so she kind of put them on the side and she tabled them, you know, for when she was going to be writing a more adult book. And I think it was out of respect for the fact that she was writing what was seen as being a children's book. Cause she could have included sex in Harry Potter. She just chose not to, you know, it, she chose that she was writing more of a children's story. Yeah. But I think that it did change though, as the books progressed and you moved really into Order of the Phoenix and beyond, I think that you did get more of those adult themes. But again, the the whole sexual side of it was completely ignored with the exception of a little bit of teenage romance here and there. And, you know, this book, though, is adult in every sense of the word. Like when she said she's writing an adult novel, she might as well have said she's writing a, an X-rated novel because that's what this is. Mm. I mean, there no, it, it's close because there, there are no boundaries as, you know, you, you pick up a book by John Grisham or, you know, some other political thriller or legal thriller. There's not this level of, of, of graphic. Yeah. Uh, you're not talking about how many. Yeah. It's not a teenager boasting about how many fingers he's putting a girl. You know, it's not that at all. Right. And, and that's the other thing, you know, at least as far as I've gotten the book, uh, with Crystal, you know, talking about, her in the back of the room during one of their examinations and, and people going up and, and getting a chance to, uh, to feel her breasts, you know, and, and how was it Andrew missed out on it? I always yeah. do. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, in the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the book. Um, um, yeah, that's right. But you know, you never hear something like that about going on to the back of Snape's potions classrooms, you know, with, with Luna, you know, everybody <laughs> wanted to go into the back and get a feel, you know, a yeah. cop a feel oh, that God. just, it, 
It, it, yeah, they're drastically <laughs> different. There's no question. So was there, was this, so this was like a creative release for Joe. I mean, I feel like she almost, um, needed to insert these kind of things in here, like the grabbing of the breasts and the, and the Sweetie, watching you've of you've been porn. very quiet. Uh, no, I tried to speak, but the sound is cutting me off. Oh. Um, but the, the watching and the porn and all that, I feel like if she didn't have these things in there, it would be even more boring. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what, what did you want to say, Selena? No, I, I only wanted to say I could imagine how great it would be if at one point we got something that was kind of the best of both of these. Because with Harry Potter, you have the fantastic story. You know, you have the fantastic... I'm not talking about the magic. I'm talking about the the intricate layers of what happens between these characters and the way they grow up and the way they, they fight this battle um, and you have the humor, you have the heart, you have the, the way that we have all attached ourselves to these characters, despite them not being as fleshed out as we might have hoped they would be. And if we could match all of that with this intense social awareness and awareness that Joe has for the way that people's minds work and the really, I mean, this amazing level of, 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 of building up these detailed characters that are so different from each other and have such distinct personalities and that really are so real. If we could mix all that up and create some kind of like super novel, <laughs> it would be the best thing ever. Yeah. But, I'm really, really interested to see at um, Lincoln center, how she's going to talk about this book and the kinds mm. of questions she's going to get from fans who are primarily going to be Harry Potter fans. I mean, to this point, you know, a lot of the interviews that she's done, have been with reporters. She hasn't had to really interact one-on-one with the fans. And so uh, it's, it's going to be a, an interesting conversation uh, with a much more, you know, grown up Potter crowd. She did interact with them at Queen Elizabeth Hall, but, uh, but that was the day the book came out. And I think they did a survey of the audience and one person had actually finished the book. Um, wow. but, but yeah, you're right. So by the time she gets to New York city, obviously, I would think anybody who's attending will have finished the book and maybe can grill her a little bit. But let's continue here. Um, <clears throat> on the point we just brought up, actually, Diana said, I can't believe Joe actually wrote a book with dirty words and without wizards. This book is truly awesome. I'm glad she did it. Rosie said, just what I expected and so much more. No skirting around real issues and the same writing we've all come to love. Amanda says, trying really hard to stay interested. Maybe I haven't gotten to the good part yet. Only 80-ish pages through. Supporting J.K.R. Hart. Southwark said the plotting was skillfully done. Liked the issues being raised. Poverty, OCD. But most of the characters were not compelling. I haven't gotten to the OCD yet. Me neither. Um, Caitlin says, I'm only 50 pages in, but it's so slow. Do we really need so much character description? Come on, Joe. Where's the good stuff? And finally, Sean says hate it unlikable characters and mediocre writing plus the entire experience feels like spending a weekend with the dursleys i have wow. i have th- th- this book does feel dursley-ish in terms of the characters some of them particularly That's- howard and his wife yeah. are i've been i've been like trying not to say it because i feel like it, there's no point comparing this to harry potter in any way because <laughs> it's not but really a lot of the not just the um 
Uh, what is it, the Mollisons? I feel like they're the most Dursley-ish, but I feel like almost every single character I, I imagine as Vernon, Petunia, or Marge Dursley walking around, you know? Yeah. Wow. There was an interesting interview, moving on to some of the news related to Casual Vacancy, there was an interesting interview with Joe um, when she's speaking to ABC's Cynthia McFadden. And Rowling asked Miss McFadden, did you cry? And McFadden said yes. And J.K. Rowling said, well, you see, I don't want to say good, but I would have nothing to say to the person who didn't cry at the end of this book. Nothing. The end is bad. Sorry. Which mm. I thought was pretty, um, I was like, whoa. Um, so I, for, for this quote alone, I'm very interested to see why Joe feels so compelled to say everybody, everybody who needs, who reads this should be crying by the end because it's so sad. Right. Because she sets up these characters to fail. She's like, come here, come care about these 15-odd characters, and I will destroy them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't well, know. Selena, can we throw out a spoiler-like question to you? Has anybody else died throughout the book other than Barry, up to your mm-hmm. reading? Not up to my reading, although several of them have diabetes. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's a spoiler. I know that's not laughing matter, but wow. You know, she did address Harry Potter and going back to it, and that made headlines more than anything else this week in terms of all the interviews that she did. She said that Harry, Ron, and Hermione's story is definitely over, but, quote, maybe I'll go back and do a director's cut. And this was said uh, to uh, the BBC. She, because she admitted that two of the books, she was talking in regards to two of the, two of the, books in the Harry Potter series that she would go back and change. Now, in in the article on Hypable, Richard speculated it's Chamber of Secrets and Half-Blood Prince, but I seem to remember her saying that Goblet of Fire was the one she yeah. was most disappointed in, so I think that would definitely be one of them. That's yeah. one of the two. But what I do you think she... the other one is, then? If you could, ha- Or, if you don't know the answer to that, if you could ask her to rewrite one of them, and not do like a major rewrite, but you know, go through it and be like, oh, let's change this, let's speed this up, let's slow, slow this down, let's add this. What, Which book do you think? Well, wasn't it the there were parts of Chamber of Secrets and Half-Blood Prince she had toyed with switching at yeah. one point? Yeah. Um, Related to I, Horcrux, right? Yeah, yeah but I would almost say Order of the Phoenix. There, really? There's probably parts of that that she could have done more with. And, well, I mean, I could see that being one of the books because that was in the prime, you know, deadline, deadline, deadline. Like, she was working under a tight deadline to get Goblet of Fire out back in 2000, I remember, and that really... Right, and she said never again, and she took three years to write Order. Oh, right, right. I think, though, honestly, I think Five is the one that a lot of us would say needs the most editing, perhaps to shorten it. Um, Because there are quite a lot of things, like even the St. Mungo's chapter that don't have a whole lot of relevance in the later books at all. Maybe she would change the other books to include some relevance to the other things that are in order of the Phoenix, or maybe not, you know, maybe she would just make five shorter. Now I want to know what was easier to write. You know, it was Potter just by nature easier for her to, to put a pen to paper or typing on a computer versus the casual vacancy. You should like, ask her in New York city. Did, did she struggle writing this book? Mm-hmm. So in regards to writing stuff outside of Harry, Ron, and Hermione's story, she said, Now, if I had a fabulous idea that came out of that world, because I loved writing it, I would do it. 
but I've got to have, I've got to have a great idea. I don't want to go mechanically back into that world and pick up a load of odds and ends and glue them together and say, here we go. We can sell this. So she just wants to be really motivated by an idea and then she'll run with it. Um, what Maybe by the reviews of the casual vacancy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just joking. I, well, no, I mean, you could be onto something there. If she writes another adult book and it kind of bombs, I'm not saying the casual vacancy bombs, but if it doesn't do that well, because you know, she won't be able to say, "Oh, hey, everybody, look, it's my first book since Harry Potter." Bye, bye, bye. Um, I think this, <laughs> she may get humbled and and more appreciative of the Harry Potter world again, and be like, okay. It's time to go back into it. I would hope so. Or at least be, I'm sorry, at least be appreciative of who her fan base is. And I'm not saying that she can't write stuff like this, but I'm saying if this gets bad, bad reviews, it's not because it's a bad book. It's because the wrong people are reading it. And that's because we haven't been, I mean, you have to, she's JK Rowling. You have to expect, even though she could hope that we'd all be like, la la la, it's not Harry Potter, let's all read it and enjoy it. That's not that's not necessarily going to happen, you know? Yeah, I think part of it has to do with her being such a private person. She has a Twitter that she never uses. You know, she has this access to all of us. She really could have warned us a little bit clearer, I think, that this book yeah. was not... And not only that it wasn't Harry Potter, but that it would be... You know, I, I again, I find this book very artful. Um, but I think that a lot of the people, as you said, are reading it, aren't looking for its merits. They're looking for it to be a Harry Potter book and it's, it couldn't be further from a Harry Potter book. And I think a lot of people, I think they're being wronged because it wasn't, you know, they weren't warned enough. And I think I'm surprised that Joe was able to turn out a book of this length you know, none of us knew she re- was even writing it until several months ago. And look, it's not our business to know everything she does, but I feel like perhaps, you know, being considering how um, looked up to she is by everyone who's read her books. Yeah, but um, she's also had five years to to put out another book. I mean, it's not like she put out one last year. Deathly Hallows is over five years ago at this point. So... It, it, we, we would expect that whatever was going to be released by her next was going to be substantial and going to hold our interest. Now, look, everybody who read Potter is not going to jump into this book and say it's the greatest thing that's ever been written or that they really like it. But I do think that there is a certain level of expectation coming in because of what we've read previously. Yeah, exa- exactly. And that's not something that anyone can help. No matter if some people might say, oh, well, it's your own fault for... We're not expecting Potter. You know, we weren't expecting another Potter, but we were expecting something that wasn't this. And it, it just keeps coming back to the fact that someone should have anticipated that this is the response. Because I feel like it's gotten such a poor response from critics and from fans so far. Some people like it. Most people don't and i feel and people feel so let down and that was always going to happen but i feel like someone could have done something to avoid that because i feel bad for joe right that's what that lev grossman really liked it i i the only review i've read is lev grossman's review and he really found it to be very um riveting on goodreads which is a but he's a potter fan (laughs) on yeah well he is 
on Goodreads, which is a book reading social networking site. I really like it a lot, actually. Goodreads.com. You can, you can add a book to your shelf. You know, I'm, I'm about to read this book. And then once you're done, you can say you've completed it. And here's my review. Right now, 38% of the reviews are five stars. Um, 23% are four stars. 16% are three stars. It is an average rating of 3.65 stars out of five. And that is based on 438 reviews. Obviously, many more to go. Um, it also That's set like a C minus. It set a record on Goodreads. It was the most marked started reading for one day. So the day Casual Vacancy came out, more people on one day marked Casual Vacancy as starting it today than any other book in the site's history. So that just shows you that there's a huge amount of anticipation. If you didn't gather that enough by merely the fact that there was a million pre-orders for this book, and I believe there are two million books in print, um, Little Brown hasn't actually released sales numbers yet. Maybe they'll do that this upcoming Monday to see how it did through its first weekend. Uh, I I would personally be very interested to see how well it has been selling. But yeah, so that on Amazon or Goodreads has that three point six five, and then Amazon the reviews aren't that good, right? Um, Two and a half stars on Amazon right now. But to be fair, some people, there's just weird reviews on Amazon. Um, some, some people, some people had, did review it after reading. I mean, I see a two star here published two hours ago. So expensive, so eagerly awaited, so disappointing. Uh, well, I feel like you're going to you're going to see a lot of that though. And it it does go back to the the marketing side of it and the fact that this book wasn't marketed at all. It was going to ride the success of Potter. And and look, it's fine if JK Rowling is, is nobody can fault her in any way. If she's saying, "Look, I'm going to write this book. It's going to be what it's going to be. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's fine right. too." Right. And I it, people are just going to have to live with that. I mean, we're doing the show just to kind of go through and, and give our thoughts on it. But, you know, people don't have to agree with what we're saying. I'm sure we're going to get plenty of feedback um, about all the stuff that we talked about. But I, I said this to Andrew before the show uh, that if this wasn't written by J.K. Rowling, I would never pick this book up. It, there, there's nothing about it that intrigues me in in the least. And, you know, I aside from obviously having read Potter and game of thrones you know i i read more political or or legal type thrillers you know nelson demille grisham those types of writers this holds really little interest for me if if it didn't have the name rolling attached to it i'm exactly the same i I finish it but it's not and and i appreciate her writing style but this is not my kind of novel at all so I think that's all we have to say right now on the casual vacancy. There will be more to be there will there of course will will have more to say once we've all finished reading it. I mean, I'm going to finish because I feel like as people who are a voice in the Harry Potter community, we do have to read it and give a fair assessment on it, and I'm all for doing that. And I'm also, you know, I just want to be able to say, yes, I read it and here's what I accurately thought of it. Um but to wrap up my views on it as I have been reading this. I think of many of my friends who I met through Harry Potter. I picture them reading this, and I just cannot picture them enjoying it. So, um, it's just, it's just not for the Harry Potter audience. <laughs> that's I think that's what we're all trying. Well, to Well, it certainly across. can create a lot of discussion. I don't think there's any question about that. The the themes that are in here and and the characters, 
there, there's a lot to talk about, but I just don't like, we're not going to sit down. I don't think maybe with the exception of one or two more shows and really kind of go through this chapter by chapter, or uh, I was just going to say, know, we should do chapter by chapter. We should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's at least how I feel. I mean, I, it's, it's just different. Yeah. Well, moving on now, we have the Finding Hogwarts interview coming up, but first we wanted to also talk about The Perks of Being a Wallflower, the movie uh, based on the book by Stephen Chbosky. Who has seen it now? I have. Eric has? I have. Not Selena and Micah, though? No, I've not. No. Okay. It's, but it's, it stars Emma Watson. Yeah, that's why we wanted to talk about it. And I know, yeah. I mean, it was a classic back in the 90s. It came out, what, 99, I believe it was? <clears throat> and this I, was... It was I, yeah, it was required reading, I think, for me in ninth grade. Really? Uh, if not required, definitely recommended. My teacher made sure that I read that book. Yeah, it's a coming-of-age story, and we did want to talk about it because Emma Watson's in it. And I actually I only got about halfway through the book, which is written uh, as a diary, which is very interesting and even more interesting when you consider how it could be translated to the big screen. But Stephen Chbosky, who wrote it, like I said, he also directed it and wrote the screenplay, and he did a tremendous job. And uh, it's it opens everywhere this Friday in the United States. I know, Selena, you just said it's not open over there yet. I I, I gotta imagine it's coming over there. Um, it's it's not coming out here at all yet, as far as we can tell. There's uh, a lot of. It's been treated like such a in, indie film as opposed to a big release. There's. It's probably not going to come out in a lot of countries, including mine. But even if that's you, a sh- shame, yeah. Even if you check out reviews for the film, it's it's been doing very well critically. Um, so you don't even have to be just an Emma Watson fan to enjoy it. It is a great story. It's a great cast. Good. Emma Watson I'm- plays Sam, and then Logan Lerman plays Charlie, and Ezra Miller plays Eric. Patrick. Patrick. What yeah. are you going to say, I'm Selena? So- I was just going to say I love the book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean the book is the book is it's kind of like the the casual vacancy at the parts of it that are set in high school there's there's drug use. Um there's sexuality. Uh you know and and I find it to be very relevant and I found it when I was reading it in ninth grade to at least be you know relevant because that that kind of stuff could be happening to my peers at the time. You know, it's just like stuff that happens in high school and the goings on in high school to different kids. Charlie being a wallflower doesn't have any friends, um, you know, until he meets these people who influence him and their, their taste in music and their, their taste, their view of the world influences him. And so for that, I, you know, I thought the movie was very, very entertaining. I thought it was a great adaptation. I had no worries about it not being faithful to the book. I wanted to reread the book, but then a different book came out the same week. Guess three guesses which. Um, but I figured since the the writer directed it, I we wouldn't have to worry about it not being faithful. I found the movie to be very entertaining, and uh, you know the soundtrack was great. So it's, I, I would definitely recommend everybody check it out. And Emma Watson does a passable American accent. It it it, it it's up and down at times. I think yeah. she sort of just gave up halfway through filming. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's horrible. My problem is, of course, I'm I'm watching the movie and still seeing Hermione, but, but about I think I'd say about halfway through, I was able to to stop and see her for who she is. But um, Sam is such an interesting character in the book, um, and it's such a driven character to be her own person, um, flaws and everything. So it was a very interesting role for Emma to take. But again, I would recommend the film 
um, because I think it says something to a lot of people that's very relevant. So we are joined now by John Noe and Bree Bishop, the creators of Finding Hogwarts, the documentary. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to feel about this, because John, of course, does the rival podcast, <laughs> Pottercast. So I feel very we don't uncomfortable. like each other very much. No. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but we're actually great friends in real life, and... Um, and we obviously wanted to have you on to talk about Finding Hogwarts because you guys have been working on this for a while and you're about to, well, it's on sale now, correct? Correct. Yeah. Pre-orders. So we've been working on it for like the past 19 years. Uh, no, it just, just feels like it actually. It but, uh, yeah, it is, it is available for sale on Blu-ray and DVD at findinghogwarts.com. So for anyone who hasn't heard about it yet, tell us about the documentary first how did you get the idea for this um it was pretty much just like we were sitting around at prophecy 2007 and um i don't know how we got on the conversation of just like how awesome it would be to go to scotland and try to find hogwarts and then it just sort of like snowballed from there well it was kind of like a really big combination of feelings and thoughts because 2007 you know, had us all thinking, what is the world going to look like without a new Harry Potter book to look forward to? And I'm sure many of those listening here can remember, if you were a fan at the time, we all didn't know what was going to happen to the fandom and how often we would see all these friends that we had just made for all of the convention-going fandom. Yeah. And then feeling like, oh, you know, what what do we do now? Like, what's <laughs> left after all of this? And kind of figured well i guess we could always go to hogwarts and and this whole trip came together and it snowballed like Bree said into this idea of filming seven of us flying you know over to england and, and to scotland and to walk around the highlands and you know it it really kind of became so much more than we ever thought it would and it turned out to be just the culmination of going on four years of work Mm-hmm. And storytelling and interviews all about what it's meant to to be in the Harry Potter fandom and how it's changed all of our lives. And Bree, I know this was your first time going over to the UK. So what was that like having read the books and now finally you're kind of living within them by, by that, being in the Highlands, like John mentioned? That was insane because I always thought whenever I'd go to the UK, it would kind of be just like a vacation trip. And instead it was like this Harry Potter, like... I don't even know, like homage trip that was yeah. just insane. Just getting to do all the stuff that they do in the books and getting to ride the steam train and go to some of the filming locations. You told me, I think that you, you actually rode over that bridge that you see in chamber of secrets, right? When Harry and Ron are flying with the Ford Anglia. That is true. That's that so is cool. True. It's hard to pronounce. I think it's called the Glenfinian viaduct. viaduct. Mm. And it, is pretty darn cool looking in person and we tried to get some good footage of it too we were lucky enough to actually get to be in the compartment that they film in or that they film some of the stuff in right yeah like where when uh the trio does their shots in the compartment on the hogwarts express i i don't know like what proportion of it actually happened in the actual 
uh, train and how much of it was just inspired from the train and recreated on in, in the studio. But all I know is that you normally aren't allowed in that compartment. And we had talked the uh, conductor into letting us in it because we were big enough fans. And uh, they actually, we had some, some similar friends. And uh, it was really cool. Now, it, came, why, it came together perfectly. Why do they keep that compartment closed normally? I think... Because I don't think they make much of a secret of the fact that it is a steam train that inspired the Hogwarts Express, but I don't know if they like exactly have the ability to promote it as as such. And mm-hmm. so I think just because interest would be crazy and they don't want to have to deal with, you know, having a Harry Potter attraction on their train. Yeah. They just kind of keep it private normally. So in a way, this is kind of like a really great way to see the Harry Potter sets, if you will, without actually going over there. Because uh, obviously, like, our listener base, we have a big United States audience, we have a big UK audience as well, and big Australia. But the United States is, of course, biggest. So this seems like a cool way for me or anybody else to get this behind-the-scenes look when you're seeing these things, not in the movie, but you're seeing true Harry Potter fans experience all these locales, if you will, for the first time. Yeah, that was definitely how it was for us because um, I, I had been to England a couple times just real briefly to cover some of the premieres. Um, and uh, this was a, a trip that let us try and walk in, in you know, the footsteps of, of the characters. And we had moments where we actually tried to track down, you know, where would the exact phone booth be to get to the Ministry of Magic? And, and where would the Leaky Cauldron be? You know, if we can go off of the clues in the books and determine where on that Charing Cross Road you would find it and all of that. And we even end up in, in some similar spots where they did film some scenes like uh, the, the Quidditch matches in the earlier films and oh, cool. places like that. That was really insane because we had to take a hike. It was like a two hour hike to get to this waterfall that they use for the Quidditch pitch and stuff. And it's crazy to picture like all these people with cameras and shit uh, (laughs) sorry it's fine fine. just you know like hiking all the way out there just to get that shot or i guess maybe they took a helicopter or something i don't know that probably didn't make dan and everybody like traps around through the woods like we did yeah but yeah it was (laughs) pretty pretty epic moment Uh uh-huh now um what how about the other people who were who went on this actual trip i know it was you two and then who else great great question um the the whole idea was to try and pick some uh, diverse people, and uh, it it kind of at this point now all these years later looks like we just grabbed a bunch of our friends, but but really um, we we have um, um, Paul DeGeorge, who is uh, one half of Harry and the Potters, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Slack, who you know started and runs the Harry Potter Alliance. Um, Bree's, uh, Bree and I's good friend, your friend too, of course, um, Miss Rita Gill, mm-hmm. um, who actually helped, uh, come up with, uh, some of the original ideas for the film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Melissa Nelly, who, uh, runs at the Leaky Cauldron and wrote Harry History. And, uh, Frankie Franco, who's also on, uh, Pottercast with me, who's a brilliant illustrator and fan artist at the time and, uh, does, does a lot of cool stuff now too with uh, dreamworks for me it was kind of like a big fangirl thing because i had you know i'd been a 
Like, no, but seriously, I've been a fan of Harry and the Potter since I was 14. Yeah. And, you know, listen to Pottercast and all of that stuff. So it was kind of crazy to find myself, you know, one day being 14, listening to Harry and the Potters and then suddenly being in the Highlands with Paul DeGeorge. Yeah. Did you discover anything about him that you wish you hadn't? He burps a lot. (laughs) (laughs) The dude likes to burp. Actually, I have a question about this. Okay, so you guys were together for, it was like a two-week period? Almost. Yeah, like 10 or 11 days. Okay. Was there any, like, crazy breakdowns? Like, our friend Rita, who's known for breakdowns, did she, like, was there any just, like, big breakdowns? Like, we're not finding Hogwarts! What's going on? Oh, Oh, yes. So much much of that. that. (laughs) And the funny thing is, is, like, we had this... It was very difficult to shoot this movie anyhow, because we did it on, you know, as small of a budget as we could get away with. Like, more than half the budget was just the travel to get out there. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have any crew members with us. Nobody was doing camera for us. We all had to pass around the cameras. We all had to make sure our own microphones were turned on and recording at all times. And uh, it was it was very stressful. So it would get to some points in the day where we're like, screw this. We just want to go and have a beer. And, you know, like Rita would run off with like some like randos that she met in Scotland <laughs> and like didn't know if she would be coming back. And like at some point, uh, me and Rita and Andrew Slack, we were so stressed out and tired. We decided to go to a club one night in Edinburgh. <laughs> this is not in the film, of course, but it was there was lots of craziness going on. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it all, it all kind of just culminates actually in, in the film, a point of, of frustration where we're like, you know, what are we actually doing here? And uh, it, it turned to be turned out to be like kind of a. A breaking point um, in the whole process and really forced us to really kind of regroup and and take a look at what we were doing and it turned out I think for the best because the film was 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 better for for having that moment cool oh that's good that's good so Bree uh, we also want to talk about the fact that you used to be a MuggleCast listener yes I'm so <laughs> excited that I'm finally on MuggleCast is this your first time really well uh, you played um the your- yeah, the video. Yeah, the I eat Mugglecast fangirls for breakfast video. That was a classic. That, yes. that was what back in two thousand six. I think so. It was right after Lumos. And what is this video? Oh God, uh, I was basically just making fun of Mugglecast fangirls. <laughs> but you did it as Fred on YouTube before there was Fred on YouTube. Yeah, uh, I was, just, your voice I was, all I was being up. obnoxious. You were the original Fred. Okay. <laughs> 52,000 views, I see, posted six years ago. I'm not going to really? play. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Is that low or high? I don't. I, I guess it's high. I haven't looked at it in a while because I can't even stand listening to myself do oh. that. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> so, but. yeah, we played that on the show. I think that was one of the first like true fan experiences I would encounter. <laughs> and it's so funny because I'm sitting there making fun of fangirls, but then like everyone's like, you were on MuggleCast, and I got super excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Your follow-up video is you listening to us playing it on the show. <laughs> Smile, you're on MuggleCast 58, I guess. I guess that's the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> so what, what's the overall message that you want people taking away from this documentary? It seems clear that this is for all Harry Potter fans to get really, you know, to really, it's, it's, a, it's a reflection of the fandom. But what would you say kind of in a nutshell would be what you want viewers to take away? Well, it's it's an interesting thing because at the time that we made it, we thought that it would be one thing. 
And now that it's, you know, 2012, it's turned out to be that, but something else entirely because so many Harry Potter fans in the fandom now, we, we, we have been hearing stories from them about how they only really came to the fandom, you know, post Deathly Hallows, like 2007, 2008, and, and, and later. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, for us, the big reason we did the trip and did the film was we wanted to reflect on everything that we thought the fandom was prior to that point and to, and to document all of the stories about what that was. I mean, at the time, there was so much crazy stuff going on, you know, and I'd go home and tell my family, I just got back from this Harry Potter convention, and they'd be like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. There's wizard rock bands, there's podcasts, and I just wanted to be able to, like, explain this phenomenon to everybody. Yeah, yeah like, what it what it was and, and what made, uh, you know, all of us and so many other people so crazy about it. And, um, you know, for these newer Harry Potter fans that, uh, you know, came to the fandom a little later and, you know... They, they weren't around to experience things like the midnight releases of the books. And, uh, you know, it's watching everything now. We, we have footage from, you know, so many old events, uh, so many, um, you know, old uh, rock shows with Harry and the Potters and uh, library events and all of these things. It's it now looking at it now, it's just kind of like capturing some of you know what you know i would consider the best years of the harry potter fandom in this little moment in time and uh the you know the film is just a really nice way i think to you know to capture those feelings and to be able to remember them as vividly as as you can yeah no sounds good i'm looking forward to seeing it i I know you guys are finished with it so uh i hope you guys are having a little viewing party i meant to ask you guys about that yeah, we were actually just po- talking about doing that uh, uh, probably here this week. Oh, cool. I hope there's butterbeer of the alcoholic kind. I'm Definitely. sure you guys can use it. <laughs> we're all old enough now. <laughs> cool. So, again, it's findinghogwarts.com. You can go there. You can see the new trailer, which I really like. I really like that new trailer. Thank you. You premiered that at LeakyCon, right, a couple months ago? We did. We did indeed. And actually, we have have a little surprise for you and, and uh, all of you uh, listening out there, um, because you were so nice to have us. If you're interested in the film and you watch the trailer and you you would like to order the film, you can put in a little coupon code. Uh, what's that coupon code all the MuggleCast listeners know <laughs> so well? Is that like Ron or something, or was Ron it's, at some point? It's been Ron. It's been Muggle. Let's do Muggle. If you have well, we'll made. do Muggle. If you if you type in code Muggle, we will give you five percent off your order. All right. Uh, and uh, I'm going to get to use that for now until the end of time. All right, cool. I was just going to say, I'm going <laughs> to get, I'm going to get go daddy guy Mason, the record. He'll be thrilled. <laughs> he finally has a new ad. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Uh, and then you also have facebook.com slash finding Hogwarts and twitter.com slash finding Hogwarts. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Sounds good guys. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank awesome. you very much for having us. And I hope everybody enjoys Casual Vacancy, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Have you guys started reading it? No, not yet. Mm. Uh, we can't sound like we're that lo- big of uh, a... <laughs> I mean, I have it. I have it, but we, it just... We, we've been so busy trying to wrap up all of this stuff for the film that we haven't been able to sit down and start yet. It's kind of like, you know, trying to wrap up one chapter before moving on to the next one. Just in, like Joe in, at did. least J.K. Rowling style so yeah <laughs> exactly i'm trying to figure out which um uh song to play 
uh, when it's over, just like, what, what was that song she played when Deathly Hollow was done? A smile, Lily Allen. Yeah, I think we should just play that. That'd oh, be- was that it? Well, should. she also <laughs> raided her mini bar we just learned the other day and downed a bottle of champagne, so you should do that as well. Sounds about right. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> if Joe did it, we can do it. Exactly. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, and that wraps up the show for today. We want to remind everybody to do, please do visit the MuggleCast website. We want your feedback about the casual vacancy. We'll continue to talk about uh, our our responses and your responses to the book. You know, we we took tweets this time, but we would like some longer form analysis. Not too long because, you know, we have to read it on the show. So try to keep it to a paragraph. What you think of the book, why you don't think it was more popular with Harry Potter readers, um, why it's getting the reviews that it that it is on Goodreads and Amazon. Just go to MuggleCast.com, click on Contact at the top, and there you'll see a contact form to reach us. Then on the right side, as always, are the links to our iTunes, where you can subscribe and review us, our Twitter, which is Twitter.com slash MuggleCast, Facebook, which is Facebook.com slash MuggleCast, and the fan Tumblr at MuggleCast.tumblr.com. Anything else to plug, gentlemen and lady? No. Speechless. Speechless in the words uh, after after a long podcast. Are you Pretty all much. Are, yeah, are you all just winded? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm contemplating picking up the book and continuing my read of it. Ah. Ah. It's it's literally sitting right in front of me on the table. You know, I was surprised when I went into the stores. I, I was worried. I didn't know if I was gonna get a copy or what the deal was gonna be, but there were plenty there. Micah, <laughs> did you see my tweet? Um, did any of you happen to see my tweet? I walked into the Barnes and Noble and the first thing I saw was the nook table. And it was actually, uh, so tall, about five feet tall. It had the, uh, the ebook readers, uh, called the nook in, in, in front of it. And there was a woman standing by the front who, who worked there. And I had to ask her, you know, do you have any copies left of the new JK Rowling book? And she pointed and sure enough, directly, like straight on from the entrance, but behind the five foot tall nook. Uh, easel was an easel of a hundred, you know, casual vacancy books, but it was blocked by the e-reader uh, display. So you have to like walk around it to get to the books. And for a second, deceiving, I, I worried that they had sold out in Schaumburg, and I was I was shocked. Yeah, I I don't think they ran. I mean, I can't imagine this them running out. I think there were ample copies everywhere. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. I don't think they had too much to worry about. Well, the three of three of the four of us are on another podcast called uh, Game of Bones, so we might as well take the opportunity to plug that. Uh, hopefully, we'll be doing another show in the not too distant future. Awesome. Right, Eric? Selena? Yeah. Do we lose oh. Selena? Oh, okay. <laughs> Selena's <laughs> finishing the book. <laughs> go ahead, Selena. She's I, like, I keep forget talking you. about us. Uh, talking to us, I'm going to go finish that book that I just crapped on for the last. Night. Selena, you have to tweet about if you cry or not because Joe is totally expecting you to cry. I'm sure I will cry. It's very sad. I mean, I care <laughs> about these people. It's very betrayed. Um, no, I, I, I'm sorry if I don't speak a lot. It's a stupid Skype. Um, I, d- I don't want everyone to think that I hate the book because I really do not. It's just not obviously what any of us was were expecting. I think. All right, well, we will see everybody next time for episode 259. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.